Good morning, Jerry. Oh, you woke me up. Jesus. I kind of nodded yeah, off. I needed awake. a wake-up call, too, so mutual oh, okay. admiration there. Mm. Oh, oh, wow. Hey, okay, well, here we are. What are we? We are. Uh, who are we? Okay, this is the bro show. Where are we? Well, I don't know. Uh, we are the bro show. My name, we're brothers. My name is Jerry. And my name is John. Yeah, we're actual brothers, not that, you know, BS kind of brothers. But the real deal. Same mother, same father. And we have a show, a podcast show. And this is season 11, episode 12 of the bro show. We've been doing this for a while. And yeah. we have a, we have a, we've gotten, it's distilled down into a formula, time tested formula. And we talk about four things. Number one thing we talk about is we talk about an animal. And each season, each season, there's an animal, and the animal this season is the tiger. This is a season of the tiger, and so we have a tiger story. Also, yeah, flying high. Also, yeah, also, you know, John, we have a word. The word is usually something we run into researching the tiger story, or our next segment, which is called Two Takes. Two Takes mm. is our take on a major event, a thing that happened, something in the news, a film, uh, something with sports we frequently talk about. So that's the third sometimes thing. Something, yeah, sometimes huh? just something slaps us in the face and says, oh, there we oh, are. We got our topic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. It's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a fascinating process that we'd like to talk about for an hour, but we won't. Okay. Yeah. Last but not least, we end the show with two groaners. These are bad jokes. These mm. are bad, bad jokes. All right. So that's it. That's that's our show. That's what we do. We also, um, we like T-shirts. Let's just say it. Ooh, okay. yeah. And boy, do we like to strut around showing off our T-shirts. So bottom line is, yeah. what are you wearing above the belt today? Today, I am wearing a Bro Show T-shirt that says, celebrate your life. Oh yeah, yeah. It's our holiday. That's one where we were getting way back when we were getting ready for the holidays. Yeah, and you know Thanksgiving and Christmas, and Mm -hmm. came out with that shirt. Oh, that that's a good one. Gray. I like the color. Mine's gray at least. Yeah, mine's gray too. All good. I like it. Well, I I got season of the lizard, and ooh, does this shirt? This is one of those shirts that it feels good. It's nice and soft. And it's got a picture. It's back in the when we had season of the lizard, and it's got oh, yeah. a beautiful horned lizard that just looks so photogenic. It's so proud. It's got its head up as if it's, you know, looking at you, with very intently. And that is a shirt I am wearing today. You know, sometimes these uh, t-shirts have some pretty funny things written on them. I don't know if you, you know, it, the the bro show <clears throat> URL is always on them, and there's usually a picture yeah. of some sort. But this one I'm wearing today is really pretty funny. At the bottom of the thing, it's got a tagline. It's got three ooh, quick little snippets of text separated by dashes. It says, sibling rivalry, too much coffee, not enough meds. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. It is That's good. good. I We've, been there. We've been there. I think we were actually yeah. there today or, and yesterday yeah, together. <laughs> yeah, we lived, we lived that. We lived that. Show. We right. lived all three of those. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, 
Hey, I guess I guess we need to talk about our sponsor a little bit. That, yeah, that's we your department. Sponsor. Do we have a sponsor. Our sponsor mm. is Big Cat Rescue. Big mm. Cat Rescue, their mission is to find very natural homes for their animals, for big cats, whether they be tigers, whatever, panthers, you name it. And they do it down in Tampa, Florida. So uh, they have met the test of time. They've been a 501c3 since uh, 1992. And uh, they also are interested in making sure that there's uh, not abuse of captive animals. Taking a look at, because we, we, there's a lot of these, even big cats were at one time little cats. And yeah. the little cats yeah, yeah. grow up to be big cats. And before you know it, owners have them, don't know what to do. They stick them in a small cage and we've got abuse. They're also interested in advocating uh, the uh, looking at trying to make sure that uh, certain cats don't become extinct. So they're really yeah. on that trail, that tiger trail, too. So mm. uh, and best of all, as what we'd like to look at is the swag. That's right. Stuff that they sell. So mm. they've got some interesting things. Uh, their T-shirt, yeah. a variety of their T-shirts is amazing. So yeah, much. They have a lot there. of them. You have one. Oh yeah, beautiful yeah. one. Cat tiger uh, in a you know with, with prison bars like looking, and with the for our sponsor, it's it's really good. Yeah, I, I'm not a pet. Isn't that what it says? Yeah, yeah, I am not a pet. Yeah, I'm not a Don't pet. Don't pet me. Yeah, you do yeah. your your you will be losing a limb rather quickly. Jump, jump. Yeah, just ask yes. Mike Tyson. Boom. Yeah, that was a story we did. Hey. uh I'm ready for a real tiger story, though. Oh yeah, listen, we've we've done we, we we do the gamut when we take a look at these stories with various animals, and this year, this season being the season of the tiger, we're doing tiger stories. So mm. I just decided to take a delve into history, and I'm a I'm a history guy. I love history. So our oh. topic today is a uh, the flying tigers, and it's a a, a motley crew of, of aviationists. That uh, that did some great things during World War II. I asked one of my uh, World War II experts, uh, Larry Roth, a very active listener. I said, "Larry, uh, what, what can you tell me about the Flying Tigers?" And I was amazed to hear he says, "He says, you know what? I know the name. I know they got up in the air. No more than that. So let's talk a little history here. Mm-hmm. You know, we look, take a look back at World War II, and quite often, as isol- you know, isolationists back then would say, "Well, the war started in 1941 when we got bombed by by the Japanese." But really. Most people realize it starts back in 1939 when uh, Germany invades Poland. But if we get on the way back machine, we kind of realize that really the war starts in the Pacific when Japan invades China. And so that goes back to 1937. Now, back then, China had their own problems with the Civil War. But they decided if they're going to get beat up by Japan again, which they've had many times in their history, we're going to be yeah. ready. So let's just call a truce with all this in, internal skirmishing we're doing, and let's go yeah. and make sure that we're ready to fight them. So what happened was that uh, they came through the truce, but they had little air power. The Chinese were just not ready to, to, to handle the superior air fleet of the Japan. So enters a a uh, they went to go to the U.S. to get some expertise. They enters a guy named uh, uh, Lee Claire Lee uh, Chenault a U.S. aviator that was a hard-ass guy who had health problems and just didn't kind of get along with his superiors. He retires in 1937. And so all of a sudden he sees an opportunity with a very uh, good job 
because the Chinese Air Force is ready to pay him. He goes there to assess the readiness of their fleet, and Chiang Kai-shek says to him, hey, I got 500 planes here you can work with. All of a sudden, he takes a look at the planes. He says, well, uh, sir, I have some news for you. Only 91 of these can even get off the ground. So they were in very, very bad shape. Wow. So uh, once actually he's there assessing the fleet at the same time that this is 1937, the war takes, you know, this war with China and Japan uh, gets heated up. And he, uh, Chennault moves from becoming a, a person to do a, a project of assessing the fleet. He becomes a, a de facto commander for the little fleet they got. But he realizes wow. he doesn't have, he doesn't have the, the planes he needs. So what he does is he goes back to the States and he kind of wiggles his way into getting, uh, some, some, some planes. He, he actually, he's got to be very careful because the U.S. is concerned about, you know, Japan taking over China. That way, you know, they got more resources and they take care of that front while they can look to the U.S. to battle. And so he goes to the FDR and, and this and that, whatever, and they're able to get to get planes. And he's also able to recruit some pilots. He, he gets permission to go. And, and what, what, what we find is we find that, you know, anybody who wants to became, become a paid mercenary, for this group, uh, it has probably a, a variety of agendas upon which they, they, they take a look at. And he needed to have, you know, some real good pilots. But, uh, you know, what they, and the thing is, the good news is that China's able to pay for both the pilots and the planes. And oh. so as a result, we're able to kind of, uh, put up a facade here that we are still neutral. When really what right. we're doing, you know, this sounds this sounds like Ukraine for some. Oh well, that's another. It story. does. Oh, another story. Yeah, <laughs> another story. So by so back in uh, 1941, we got 99 pilots uh, that you know, and with their support crew, have gone in and are ready to do something. Now this is in the middle of the summer of 41. So keep in mind that this is still about six months away from Pearl Harbor when we officially get into the war. So. It's pretty clear. Uh, unofficially. Uh, they, unofficially. Yeah, yeah. The Tigers are unofficial, right? Yeah, the Tigers are, you know, they're, they're not part of it because they're not, they're not U.S. troops. Don't forget that, ah. uh, Japanese. We're, we're not in the war yet. So right. after some training on some really crude, uh, crude training, ready to made airfields in Burma, this Motley crew is ready to go to action. The actual first combat for the Flying Tigers takes place in Dece- on December 20th. Of 1941. Uh, wow. So uh, that, that's just a few, you know, just a couple of days after we get, you know, weeks, we, we were bombed at Pearl Harbor on December 7th. Uh, uh, the first, right out of the shoot, this is, you know, the, the Japan, Japan is invading China. So what they need to do is they don't have the, the air power to, to, to compete with Japan. So they do this sort of, you know, hit and get up out of the way. So they do this diving, all these kind of maneuvers, and they're able to be very successful from the very beginning. Uh, mm-hmm. They end up the first uh, combat. They end up uh, shooting down nine Japanese bombers, while uh, they only lose one. And actually, there was no, not even a fatality in the one they lost. Wow. So uh, the, the what they do is they, over the course of their many skirmishes, as the Flying Tigers are credited with shooting down 299 Japanese airplanes. And losing only and only twelve of their own. Now, wow. the problem is this is a very short-lived history of this group, because by you know once we uh, declare war on on Japan, we don't need to have a pretense 
that, right. you know, these guys are just paid mercenaries. Mercenary. So what they do is they decided to morph the Flying Tigers into the Army Air Corps. And by doing that, wow. it loses its identity. Uh, many of the pilots oh. go back to their original units. Uh, but yeah. they're only, they, they, so they're only in, in existence for about six or seven months. But during that period of time, they become so famous, so famous that a movie was made that came out in October 1942, a real big morale booster starring John Wayne, his first combat movie, actually. Wow. And so they were very well known in the United States at the time. So those few months, they gained a lot of fame in the U.S. and China for these early victories. It was a big morale boost at that time we needed. Now, how did they get this name, the Flying Tigers? It looks like the Time magazine used them, used it to describe the kind of action they have. They called them the Flying Tigers, swooping down and letting yeah. the Japanese have it. They so sneak up on them. They sneak up on them. <laughs> sneak. yeah. Sneaky versus sneaky. <laughs> yeah. 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 So that's the, that's the story of the Flying Tigers. So. Oh, John, that was exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Good. I got kind of excited, too, just telling you. I got excited listening. Okay. Do we need to take a nap? Oh, boy. No. No. No, we, we, we no. don't have time for naps now. We'll have to do that later. All right, Let's so we, 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 have a, we have a word. Yeah, you know, we fall in. What we do is we kind of, we, we get a two takes, and then we kind of look back and say, no, what word can kind of segue into this? And I think I, I got a fairly good one. Paradigm. Okay. P-A-R-A-D-I-G-M. Uh, paradigm. Yeah, definition. Typical ex- example or pattern of something. Sort of a model. Sort of a set way of doing things. Quite often you hear the word paradigm and you hear one word right after called paradigm shift. Yeah, sort of do. like it's your yeah, it's your way of saying, uh, well, you know, we need to think out of the box. We need to kind of clear our head and come up with a new way of looking we at need a problem. A new model. We need a new, new, new model. model. A new model. Yeah. So I thought, well, what I'm going to do is I'll take our two takes topic. I will Google it with the word paradigm shift. And you know what? This was this what? was like so easy. So Ooh. easy to come up with an example because it was just – I could have picked a bunch of them, but I, I decided to come up with this sentence. I tried to ship packages with the USPS, Postal Service, uh, uh, as opposed to the other services like FedEx or UPS. I think it is time for a complete paradigm shift in the post office system and how it operates. I got this out of the Chattanooga Times Free Press. It was something that was written back uh, maybe about five or six years ago. Wow. So that's the word paradigm. What are we going to talk yeah. about here? We're going to talk about the U.S. Postal Service. We're all, you know, this is something which all of us, a lot of us are confronted with daily, the challenges of being a customer <laughs> of, yeah. the, of them. And so we're talking about a one monster, large, big operation, which uh, I think is, how, is how we take a look it, at. Oh, well, I'll tell you, it's bigger than both of us. That's for sure. I mean, we're oh, talking okay. about uh, we're talking about post, you know, over thirty thousand post offices. Uh, we're delivering billions. We're talking one hundred twenty billion pieces of mail annually to over 157 uh, delivery points, whether it be businesses or consumers. Now, keep in mind that uh, the, the, the post office has gotten much smaller for a variety of things over the course of the last couple of years. So the, the, the stats I'm, I'm quoting are maybe a little stale. 
They're probably a lot smaller now, but not that much smaller. So they're hiring. They're, they've got about 653,000 employees, and they've got Jesus. a fleet of trucks. And you, every day you can see them bouncing around and uh, guzzling gas and, you know, polluting the environment. Uh, 227,000 yeah. of them. Um, so um, that's a lot. That's a lot. When you take a look at the bottom line as an accountant, you got to say, "Hey, listen, how operate? How how profitable is this biz?" Well, they got a revenue of fifty three billion uh, back in twenty twenty, and a loss of nine billion. So this is a big drain upon the the, the budget of the, the U.S. government, and the, the the revenue has been in a steady decline. And you know, there's a variety of factors that have been involved in making that happen, and, and we're not interested in getting into the politics. Or, uh, of it all, and so mm-hmm. as we take a look at it, the the post office really has just a monopoly on one portion of their service, and that is letter delivery, and that's yeah. the reason that they do have competition as it relates to, you know, big packages. big letters and packages with FedEx and looking at uh, you know UPS. So that, you know that's mm. that's that piece they've got. But it's amazing that how with even, you know, it's sort of like Rodney Dangerfield. Uh, they don't have any respect at all. The post office, is, none, you know, and, and the employees realize they're not respected and they react accordingly. Uh, and that doesn't help the service. But no. uh, what, what's kind of funny is even the government, with the government, with the U.S. government, they have no respect. Back when they were established through 1970. They got a seat at the cabinet at the table with the rest of the, the the cabinet president's cabinet. The U.S. postmaster was sitting right there, you know, arm, you know, rubbing elbows with the Secretary of State. But back in 1970, all of a sudden, what happens? They say, well, you know, you're excused. Uh, uh, there's a door there, and close it when you leave, and don't ever come back. Ooh. And so they got kind of short shifted. I think people kind of at that time took things a little more for granted when things were going a little bit better, and said, well. They're they're not they you know they're they're not creating wars or skirmishes this and that they're delivering mail let's let them let them go and mm. but however what's happened since then <clears throat> as we know that it's it's uh it hasn't been good and no. we we need to understand that they operate with the use of a lot of resources including outsourcing so a lot of this stuff they they realize that they're at the point now where they need to have help it used to be we we think of the word airmail. We would like to think, oh, that means the post office has a uh, has a plane that's got you know all the symbols on it that we know with the U.S. No, no, it doesn't work that way. They've outsourced all that stuff with uh, the airlines, American Airlines, uh, United, etc. So wow. right now they've got a lot of different co- contractual obligations. They don't use the trains for much anymore. They usually use the air. So I think the, they know they've got a problem. Clearly, oh, yeah. they're not satisfied with the service every day. One of the things that brought forth this as a, something for us is because we live it. I mean, my yeah. my mail service used to be, you know, six days a week. I could depend upon them to have mail in my mailbox uh, every one of those days. Now I'm at the point where I get mail probably three, four times a week. Wow. And wow. I, a lot of times I see the mail just stacked up, ready to be sorted into the boxes. I'm in, a, you know, I'm in an apartment or condo unit building here. And, yeah. uh, yeah, so, and you go, and um, of course you've, I also see that my favorite post office, I mean, you know, the, the pre COVID, I had one that I said, this is a sweet spot. These people got a great attitude. They're always, you know, give you a, a, a positive vibe. Well, guess what happened to that post office? It closed. 
So we find yeah. that they're uh, one of the way they're you know say well we got the the the, uh, the way to cut the, the, this deficit let's just cut expenses close post offices reduce our hours do this do that and then all they're doing is just re, you know hurting their customer service yeah so I think they're aware they've got a problem they know it yeah and yeah. Uh, and what they've tried to do is they've tried to look at uh, the various if you go in on the internet you come up with words like informed delivery. Where they're looking at ways that they might be able to, you know, create a you, you, every customer, whether it be a consumer or a business, comes up with a uh, creates a USPS account, and then that way they can preview their their letters, their packages, etc. I think sure. they're also extra services, extra services, and what they're doing quite often is is taking a look at what is already happening. You know, at, at what other like their competitors are doing and say, well, we can kind of copy that and hopefully do it better. I think they're also realize that it's important for them to make a contact with their, with their customers. So they've got a thing called delivery growth management where they, this is particularly with businesses, reaching out to businesses and working with larger ones particular to make sure that the service you're getting is in line with what we can provide you and we're in sync. So I think, uh, uh, you know, they're, they're making some inroads, but their approach is all within their paradigm. It's within the model they've got. So yep. they, if you look and see what their future is, it's looking at things like, well, let's get more precision with tracking and visibility of the journey that the piece of the article takes, whether it be a package or it be a letter, build in some more efficiencies with updating and giving our employees the best tools to work with. Uh, optical scanners, and they even say, well, look, you know, let's not let weather get in the way. Let's make sure that we have the most recent air in, uh, information and then react accordingly with maybe some alternatives that we have ready to do to make sure that we can, can do this. And I think with, you know, climate, this and that, whatever, these are these are all good. But again, they're all within. Now, what's kind of interesting is that, of course, as the Bro Show does quite often, they look yeah. for not whining, moaning, groaning. No, no, we're not we whiners. Handle things. We are not whiners. Not complainers. <laughs> what are we, John? What are we? We are solution makers. We make solutions. We are the ones so who come up with it. Problem yeah. solvers. That's what we are yeah. all about. Okay, you so ready? when we take a look at this, we don't want, but we don't want to act at this point with respect to USPS. Like we're the ones who reinvented the wheel here. It's no. probably if we take a look at it, you know, there's a we know the magic word here for us, I think, is email. And guess what? We've got snail mail. That's what now we call U.S. post office mail. We got email. There's a commonality here. It's the word mail. Mail. We've had email for a long time. So yeah. it's pretty obvious that there's this word mail and mail. You know, maybe they could be put together some way. And this isn't something that the U.S. post Not office always never thought about. Back in 1990, uh, back back in 1994, they actually had a. Tech, they decided to. They created a website. They had a really good guy uh, thinking about it. A guy by the name of Robert Reisner, and he's you know got the he's the heavyweight with the degrees. He knows his stuff, and he realizes right away that you know what we ought to do is we ought to do something where we take this new thing called email and be on the forefront and be the pioneer. Setting it up so we give our customers an email account and making it work that way. Well, this guy is a visionary. And as yeah. a result, he's a, visionaries and the post office, they don't work well together. No, they, they don't. They're not ready for it. And I don't think any way you look at it, they're not ready. 
So here we are. Uh, we've got a, a, something that's been tried, but maybe at this point, for a variety of reasons, we need to revisit it. Here's what they need to do to enter the 21st century. All right. Number one, set up low fee, high security email services that competes with Gmail. It's as easy to get an account as Gmail. It'll cost a little bit of money, a little bit of money. It's not supported by advertising like Gmail. But on the other hand, right. they won't read your emails and scan them and, and target yeah. you for ads. Yeah. So this is complete high security. In fact, this should become the model, end-to-end encryption, best of class, the most secure, bestest email you can ever get. And you'll get the USPS.com domain name. So it, it would be, you know, baseballjohn at USPS.com. You could finally get rid of your Yahoo account, John. Yeah, your yeah, AOL, yeah, yeah. AOL account. So this has a built-in solution for me. It gets, it, I, I get rid of a, a, AOL. I get rid of Yahoo. And yeah, <laughs> I yeah, get rid of both of them. <laughs> yeah, you enter the, two, the, the 21st century. It'd be great. So I'd be yeah, entering the 21st century with the post office. Number two. Here we go. Sell excess service server capacity to businesses. All right. Now, to have email, you have to have servers. So that should be, this is a whole new area for the post office. Now, they have a lot of assets already. They can start slowly but surely, either converting some of those assets or raising money. They can raise money for this stuff. High tech, you know, they could have venture capital, all kinds of private equity and stuff like that help fund this stuff because this is the stuff people like to invest in. So they could set up server farms for their email, sell the excess capacity to businesses and individuals, uh, you know, something that, that Google and Amazon did was they designed their own servers to be high capacity, high performance, low cost. And they sell the designs to these things to other people. So USPS could do the same thing. And, you know, those designs that Google and Amazon uses, they're a little out of date by now. The USPS could jump ahead of it. So that'd be, that'd be number two. Number three, paper last mile. For those who don't have email. So if you don't have email, then let's say I have email, you don't, John. I send an email to you, but you don't have an email account or a computer. So what happens is at the last moment, right before my email gets to you, it gets converted to paper and delivered to you. All right. But we don't send we don't send the paper all the way across the United States from Austin to Chicago. We electronically send it to Chicago, very near your facility. A printer prints it out, automatically puts it in an envelope. Guy picks it up, takes it to your to your uh, condo. Kind of cool, huh? All right. Very so that's good. number three. Number four, it, work it the other way. People who send it a letter, let's say you send a letter to me using paper and your really shitty handwriting, and it goes into a funnel there in Chicago. It gets converted digitally, and it goes to my email account. You know, paper you're talking, no. this one to yeah. me is so impressive because you see that the bro show, that the bros figure this one out. This is an idea that goes back to World War II, right? Because it of the does. That it they does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This, this, this is an it's just taking idea. a new technology. It's, a, it's an old idea that you just yeah. put uh, bolster it with some new technology and you yeah. got something that's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. 
too, too many good things happened during World War II that got discarded immediately after the, the victory. Yeah. You know, yeah. one was women working in factories because they did an excellent job, but they got sent back home. And the other was this facsimile service they had. They, the ships kept getting sunk on the way over to, to Europe. So they said, well, let's not send the mail on a ship. Let's send it electronically and then have it reconstituted at the other end into paper. Yeah. It's actually, they had a, fl- a film, flimsy thing. They call it film kind of a thing. It wasn't even paper. Yeah. They saved the right. money on trees, too. So it was really cool stuff that was being done. We could do that again. Are you ready for number yes. uh, number uh, five? Last cool. but not least, go for it. All right. Tablets, really cheap laptop slash tablets for people who don't have email, don't even have a computer. This would be a super, super inexpensive thing. All it has on it is the USPS uh, web browser. That's all it is. It has one app on it, web browser. That's all it does. You could take a really cheap version of Linux Put it together on a box. And guess what? Someone's already done this, too. It's called a Chromebook. Yes. Google did this. And all the, most of the schools in the United States have these Chromebooks. And you can get them really cheap for a 100 bucks, a couple hundred bucks. And, you know, work out financing, all that stuff. So people could get an email account, have a little computer they could use. It's very simple and straightforward. And that would allow everyone to have this. And you know what the eventuality of this is, John? Eventually. No one will ever know your address. You know why? Ah, because you're just you're just going to have an email address, and you're registered somewhere where that email address gets converted into a physical address when necessary. So if I have a package to send to you, I just write your email address on it. Oh, that's good. Yeah, automatically gets sent through stuff like that. So there's no physical address associated with it, and let's say. You can go to Arizona for three weeks. Well, you just fill out a form on your, on the web, you know, and automatically yeah. everything people send to you is going to show up at your hotel in Arizona. Wow. Just automatically. Good. All instant. All instant. You know, all real time. None of that. Well, we haven't we haven't processed your form yet, sir. None of that crap. This will be all cutting edge. Really, all cutting edge. All cutting edge. Well, well best, yeah. I take a look. Uh, yeah. I think that's there's it. a couple of competitive that's edges it. things. Yeah. I, I think security, number one. I think really that's going to be critical in terms mm-hmm. of this. The other thing is that we're going to be reducing this delivery thing by with, with the trucks. And I think of, you know, the effect, the positive effect mm-hmm. upon the, the climate. There's, oh. a, there's a lot of things going on here. The way businesses are conducted now, they're not conducted at one central location. This poise are scattered all over, whether it be at home or in the library where they're doing this or that, you know, using that as a a part-time office. So this just begs the question. Things have changed in terms of the, of the, the landscape that we have, which, which drives us in this direction. So it's just a matter of time when we're going to be kind of force fed into doing this. Let's be a little more proactive and make it happen. Yep. And you know, here's, here's a chance for, yeah. Oh, two, two people's opinions. All right, so here's the deal. The USPS could become the gold standard for security, effectiveness, you know, best use of technology, preserving the planet, all that stuff. And, you know, people could, rather than making jokes about the USPS, they could start holding it up as an example. Well, how how are you guys doing this? Well, we're subcontracting with the USPS to do all our server work because they have the best. 
It's the most secure, most efficient, best, and it's all green. They don't use any fossil fuels. You know, that's the thing about starting something new. You can use all the best practices. So they have a great opportunity here. And, you know, we should probably, John, you and I should probably not spend too much time on the phone this afternoon because I'm sure we're going to get some cabinet-level people calling us about this. Yeah, that, that nap I was going to take, I don't think it's going to Forget happen. it. Forget that nap. <laughs> Forget okay. that well, nap. <laughs> all right, for now, we can relax. We've got a few minutes. Let's have a yeah. groaner or two. What do you say? Two uh, let's have two groaners. Our groaners are provided to us by Vincent Anthony Lauder, Jr., commonly referred to as the coach. The coach. And the coach has delivered. He has come mm. up with two real juicy groaners. So here we go. I'm ready. I'm ready. What's it called when a pig loses its memory? What's it called when a pig loses its memory? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Amnesia. <laughs> what? Amnesia. Oh, amnesia. Amnesia. Oh. It's, it's, it's almost a written one. You have to kind of emphasize Ugh. that. Amnesia. Okay. All right. All right. You got me there. You got me. I'm ready. Next. What one. do you call someone who would die to go shopping? Who would you know go at all costs? What do you call a person, someone who would die to go shopping? Oh, this is bad too. I'm going to have to really concentrate on the pronunciation of this one also. Well, let's hear your pronunciation because <laughs> so I, I got I got nothing. You got nothing. Okay. A wall marker. Oh, oh, but that is excellent. These are Thank two you. clever, slippery, uh, subtle, uh, awful jokes. <laughs> no, they're not. They're excellent. Well, the first one was a little ham-handed, if you will. Yeah, but <laughs> I like it. I like it. 